Last week, we talked about what is a revival. We went through several different places of the scripture. But the question we're going to deal with this morning is, where does revival begin? Well, good morning and welcome to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. And one of the first places that we resist, as I said, even in the tagline, is to resist sin. And so when we are talking about revival, we need to be thinking about the effect that revival has on personal sin and the effect that revival has on national sin, sin in general. And so we're going to be looking at Jeremiah 4, and our text is the third verse, and there's, it's kind of broken up just a little bit for brevity's sake. But it says, For thus saith the Lord, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. So the setting of this text is that Israel and Judah have been divided now for 322 years. The track record of the good kings is really low. Jehu was the only king out of 19 in Israel that was somewhat painted in a good light. And unfortunately, his heart was not all for God. Judah had 20 kings, and eight of which were good. So when we look at all this, we can see that morality was more low than it was high in the times of those divided kingdoms when Israel and Judah were separate. Without strong moral leaders, the people easily slipped into idolatry as they were mingled with the heathens and nations surrounding them. Josiah was the eighth and last good king of Judah. It was during his reign that Hilkiah, the priest, who was father to Jeremiah, found the book of the law in the temple. Hilkiah immediately brought it to Shaphan, the scribe, who read it before King Josiah. Upon hearing the book of the law, Josiah ripped his clothes and then sent a group of men to go inquire of the Lord for all the people concerning the wrath of God against them for not obeying all the words of the law. The group of the men inquired through the prophetess Huldah, which told them that God would bring evil and destruction upon Jerusalem and the inhabitants of it, but would show mercy to Josiah because of his tender heart toward the Lord. Even though God said he would destroy Jerusalem and the inhabitants of it, Josiah proceeded to read the book of the law to all the people. Josiah bound himself in truth by a covenant with God to follow him all of his days. Josiah then proceeded to lead all of the people to do the same. It appears that though they said the words of the covenant with their mouth, their hearts weren't really in it. Their hearts were far from God. So in Jeremiah chapter 3, God speaks of Israel and Judah as adulterers. They are playing the harlot by worshiping idols they made with their hands and by worshiping the gods of the heathens. So God wrote a bill of divorcement to Israel because of their gross unfaithfulness. And though Judah saw how God dealt with Israel, they still went on in their wickedness, ignoring the instruction they could have received from God divorcing Israel. And it's with this understanding that we hear the Lord, the Lord of heaven and earth, speak to Jeremiah. And he declares that Jeremiah declares it this way, thus saith the Lord. So when we think about who this Lord is that's doing the saying here, God is the all-seeing eye. He's the all-knowing mind. His word is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of our hearts, and there's nothing hid from his eyes. Every one of us, we're all naked before him with whom we have to do. There was no fear to the people of Israel or Judah. The false prophets, they were crying, peace, peace, when there was no peace. These hardened, backslidden people heaped themselves teachers that would tell them what they wanted to hear instead of the true prophets of God that were proclaiming God's word. 
They thought that God would not see their evil, neither would he punish them. But didn't God create the eyes that see and the ears that hear? Nothing's hid from God, by the way. It doesn't it, It's not much different when we think about our present day and we look at what was going on back then. Same kind of a thing. People think that they can do things that God says in his word that are wrong and get away with it. But here's the question. Well, first of all, he, we can't hide anything from his eyes because of who he is. He's God. Do we want the truth that God says in his word or do we want to agree only with what is agreeable to what we like? If that's the case, then that's where we run into idolatry. So do we think that God's peace is upon us if we're disobedient people? Most of the time people say, God gets me, he understands me, something along those lines. But what does the Bible say? Do we heap to ourselves teachers to kind of scratch behind our ears like you would a dog and pacify the dog and the dog thinks, oh, this is wonderful. Are we heaping teachers to ourselves that do the same thing to us and tell us what we want to hear instead of telling us what we need to hear? Unfortunately, I believe that is a lot of what's going on in our present day and flying under the banner of, you know, godly preaching or counsel. And oftentimes it's not a faithful exposition of scripture. So then people feel better about their sins, but they're not any better of people. They're still in their sins. And God is very clear when we read through the scripture, what happens to those that continue on in sin and do not repent. So God gave this command in our text to Judah and Jerusalem, but not to me. That's probably what you might be thinking. He gave it to all those people, so why do I need to listen to this command? How is it that you are telling me that this applies to me when you just gave the context and it doesn't seem to have anything to do with me? Well, thus saith the Lord. That's the first reason. God says it, so we should pay attention. And if there's any similarity between your life and the life of the people that were of Israel or Judah, then God's speaking this to you now. Because God's heart is still the same now. Different people, a little bit different circumstance, but the heart of the matter is the same. So think about the covenant God's people made with him after hearing the law read under Josiah. These people said all the right words, and yet God still thunders this message through Jeremiah to them. Jeremiah spoke this message in the same year that Josiah had the book of the law read to all the people. That was about 623 BC. It is so easy listener, to say words with our lips. But it's quite another thing to mean what we say and to do it. So we don't just want to wear Jesus on our shirt like a merit badge. You know, I'm a Christian, and yet we don't have the goods to back it up. We don't want to just talk with our mouth, but we want our life to match our lips. And so, I mean, I would even say it this way. If you aren't living right before God, it's almost better at this point to live what's really going on in your heart than to be a pretender. And I'm not advocating that anybody should go out and sin. I'm just simply saying it's better to know the, the worst condition of our life and of our heart so that we know where we're at so we can deal with it. As we cannot fool God, he then says in Jeremiah 4, 3, break up your fallow ground. Notice, what he, notice what's going on here. God's not breaking it up. The command is to you. The command in, in that specific case was to Israel or Judah. You break up your fallow ground. So what does fallow mean? It's like untilled soil. The ground is left unattended. It's been packed down by rain, weather, traffic, you know, especially in our day. And I mean, in those days as well, if they had cattle or other things that were stomping it down and making it hard and packed and crusty, and of course, farmers going back and forth, it's soil that hasn't been tended to. It's not prepared for seed to get in there. 
And so the soil's not loose, but it forms a crust. Okay, so that can be a, a picture of our heart. And what are we supposed to do about that if that is the way our heart is? If that's the, that's the receptivity of our heart, if that's the way our mind is, what are we supposed to do about it? He says, break up the fallow ground. So what does break mean? Well, breaking is like pr- plowing through that hard soil. Think of what a rototiller does. When I was younger, I grew up uh, in Western Massachusetts and we tried to make a garden and, and we did. Uh, it's just that the, it was so rocky in there. It was insane. Trying to shovel, trying to use a mattock or any of those kind of things to uh, get a better handle on that so that you could prepare for planting seeds and expect a good harvest was not very easy. So we did end up renting a rototiller. Now, the rototiller did uh, do its job. It, I mean, it dug in and we had to set the, the settings down rather low because there was so much rock we had to p- like turn it over and then we had to take the rocks out of the way because some of them were you know, bigger than my head. Um, and so we had to loosen all that up and get it out. And the rototiller did that. We could do that even where there was grass over the section of the yard and we just sunk that thing right into the grass and it tore everything up, loosened it up. You could kind of rake through some things. Then you had loose soil that was ready for things to be planted in it. And if your heart is not tender, is not softened, is not loosened, when God's word is spoken, it'll do nothing but just kind of fall on the crusty surface of your heart and be washed out with the cares of the world. So he says, you break up your fallow ground. And I think it's evident, as as I've been talking about, the ground here in this analogy, in this illustration, is your heart. You put the plow down in your heart. Break up all the hardness and the crustiness. You do this. So if we put it all together, God is pleading that we repent of sins of omission, the things we do, or excuse me, the things that we leave undone that we should have done, or the sins of commission, the things that we have done that we shouldn't have. God wants frank and honest confession. We are to plow through the hardness of our hearts. You are to plow through the hardness of your heart, dear listener, with tears of confession and repentance. And it's so easy if we're not careful to let God's truth slip out of our mind, and then we lose that keen edge in our spirit. Let God search us out. Don't be afraid. Let him search us out. Let's not try to make up things to confess and repent about, but rather let's ask God to bring things to our minds and heart that are in the way of our walk with him And then in so doing, as we confess these things out, we humble ourselves down before God. We are literally at that point making our heart soft and pliable in his hands because we are confessing all these things to him. We are just laying ourselves bare before God. And so there may be some things that come up about our ambitions in life. What's the most important thing to us? Maybe we're flirting with the world and God is sticking his finger on something in our life that's not right. Maybe you're still listening to worldly music or something like that. You're, you're watching TV shows that you shouldn't be watching. You know, there, there's things in your life that are just savoring of the world, and he's pointing his finger on it. Maybe you're just careless in your Christian life, and he's trying to get you awake and serious about walking with him. Maybe you have a prayerless spirit. You, you don't really pray at all. You know, maybe five minutes in the morning, and then off, and basically the whole rest of your day is given to whatever else, but God's left in the dust. God will be very specific with us and point those things out. Remember, that God, he commanded this to an adulterous people who are having awful judgment pronounced upon them. Remember the judgment of God to all the disobedient and sinners that we're told about in the Bible is the lake of fire. So if we're if there's a similarity between us and the people of Israel and Judah, then we have to realize there's a judgment ahead if we don't repent. God said that if Israel and Judah put away their abominations and repented, they wouldn't be removed from their land, but they didn't really pay attention. They didn't listen. So it, If you don't repent, there's nothing left to do but that God's fury goes forth like an unquenchable fire in our lives 
and ultimately in our eternity. So in this whole passage, we read the words, thee, thou, your, ye, thy, us are said, and some repeatedly. All this is to stress that the weight is upon you. God's already proclaimed the judgment and the consequences. And so what more can he do than to faithfully warn us, to warn you also, to, get, to warning us to give us a way out of all this? He said, break up your fallow ground. It's your ground. So if you don't break up your fallow ground, you'll only be left to sow among thorns. But God says, and sow not among thorns. So we got to break up the fallow ground, but don't sow among the thorns. So what does that mean? How can we cultivate a spiritual life in the ground of a hard, unkept heart? Don't try to cover up your sins by trying to sow good seed over them. You cannot do the work of the Lord while flirting with the world and sin. And allow me to bear my heart to you. We need to have a keen spiritual edge. We need to just be open. We need to confess our sins before God. We need to get away from those worldly things that are uh, quenching our spirit. And we need to deal with the carnal heart, the heart that tries to say, I'm a Christian and yet acts entirely contrary to that. One that has carnal jealousies and anger and all these other things and whitewashes them and calls them something else of what they are not. You need to be filled with the spirit and receive a clean heart as well. We need to stay away from those things that the world deems as valuable and value the things of God all the more. So something of the anointing of God seems to be lacking in the church today. And God help us. God help me to abide always in him. And I don't just want to pick apart a bunch of things, but just to give us something to look at. So this is a problem all over the place. And I want to say that it's so easy to relax. Our days are busy and wearying, but we must not relax. Don't base our Christian walk solely on what other professing Christians allow or don't allow. Let's be true to God's word so that we have no question about where we're going. Let's be people of prayer, asking God to revive us and his church. Let's pray for one another that our faith fail not. Let's pray for the lost that they might be saved. Let's obey God when he calls us to do something. The end of the world is coming and Jesus is coming too. Let's trim our lamps and be ready for the Lord always. Even if you find that you're not in gross sin, it doesn't hurt for us to keep the soil or you to keep the soil of your heart loose so that it doesn't get fallow ground again. And if you're weighed in God's balances and are found wanting, then break up your fallow ground and keep the ground of your heart well guarded and maintained. Get saved. Get saved before it's too late. Get sanctified, holy, and filled with the Spirit before it's too late. Destruction is up ahead for those that know not God, but mercy towards you. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782. I'd love to get in contact with you. I'd love to meet with you in a coffee shop. Visit godsresistance.com or on YouTube. Go to God's Resistance Press YouTube channel. Also, every Thursday, if you're local, we meet in the Abide Coffee House at 6.30 p.m. Hope to see you there.